Wait, we're here. We're doing that. Yep. I'm excited. Welcome to Why Nobody's not? Muses. <laughs> Welcome to Nobody's Muses. Um, warning content. We do curse. And um, spoiler warning. Yes. We're going to talk about. Well, this episode will be fine. We're not really going to talk about anything we've watched. We're going to talk. Um, we're, it's like an intro. So what are we going to talk about? Well, we're going to talk about Daisy Jones and the Six. Excellent. And I'm we, so excited. And we're going to talk about this is basically what we're going to focus on for the next, I don't know, seven or eight weeks as we um, go through the release dates and see what they do, how they convert this really beloved book into a miniseries. I'm so stoked. Yeah. I'm glad we're doing this. Yeah. This is 30 plus years of friendship, um, hearkening back to college days. Um, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm back on the, on the air again. I know. Reliving I was those, reliving those radio days of years gone by. I was thinking about that. I was like, when was the last time Rachel wore like headsets and had a mic like this might've been, um, we're going to say 94 when I graduated from college. Wow. Yeah. 94. Wow. So, but here we are. And we're going to talk about Davy Jones and uh, Davy Jones, Daisy Jones and the six. Yes. And I'm super excited about this. And um, I think you and I share a lot of common loves and interests. We um, both have a strong love of music and all that that encompasses. Um we have a strong love of movie and television and friendship and books. And so it seems only, it seems only right that we're going to, we're going to talk about this book amongst yeah. other things. And this whole thing kind of came about because I said, we need to do a watch party. And then I was like, well, maybe we should just um, talk about it and we could record it. And we decided, <laughs> well, why not share it with everybody? Why not share it with everybody? <laughs> they might find something insightful in what we say yeah or not as two, but as two 50 something gen x women yeah so you never know we have we have smart things to say yeah we do we do we have smart things to say we're clever if nothing else later we can look back and listen to these and be like oh this is what we were like at 50 there you go and you know my kids i'm gonna be like hey look your mom's cool again she has a podcast <laughs> <laughs> well right. let's let's get let's into go. it so let's go if you are a reader of, of Daisy Jones and the Six, you will probably already know what we're referring to when we um, decided to name our podcast Nobody's Muses. But um, I would like to know from you, Rachel, like, what is it about this book that um, you really enjoyed? Like, why is this uh, such a, um, you know, a book that we obviously like a lot or we wouldn't be doing a podcast about it? <laughs> So I think um, for me, it goes back to this long standing obsession slash love of all things Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac. And so um, I, when I started hearing rumblings about the book, a lot of people were saying, you know, there's a connection there. It's kind of a similar, but not the same story kind of connecting you back. And I think you and I both have um, a fandom for that whole um, Laurel, um, Laurel Canyon phase of music, whether it's from the six, the early sixties, all the way in through the seventies, um, that love of that generation, multiple generations of music. But I think for me, it was that connection to um, Stevie Nicks, and to Fleetwood Mac. And so 
I decided to give it a go. Um, for me, I went straight to the audiobook. Um, I didn't actually, I have not actually read the physical book or even the ebook. I went straight into the audiobook. And for me, the last several years, I've found myself struggling to actually physically read books. Um, so I'm I do listen to an, a lot of audiobooks. Um, and I picked this one up. Actually, I actually reserved it through um Libby at the library and was waiting for it to pop up and come into my queue. And lo and behold, it showed up. And um, I can talk, it's funny, we'll see if we have time to talk about it, but kind of the timing of when it showed up in my queue. Um, and I just jumped on it and started listening to it. And I will say, um, I did not listen to this until 2022. So we're kind of, I'm kind of late to the game, but still very, very much um, a fan and jumped into some of her other books um, after I listened to that one. Um, but yeah, I, I gave it a listen, fell in love with it, immediately started telling anybody that would listen to me about it. Um, you know, I kept posting on my social medias, you've got to read this book. It's amazing. Um, kept telling anybody that would listen, you know, go for the audiobook. If you don't, if you listen to audiobooks, go for the audiobook. Don't just read the book because the audiobook is something otherworldly to the typical audiobooks, I think. Oh yeah. And I mean, you? Yeah, I um I, I mean, I'm in a lot of nerdy TV Facebook groups and somebody had posted that it was coming out and then you posted about it pretty much like the same week. And when we saw each other, I think is when we, I don't know if it was when we went to see six or, which is funny, um, or maybe before, but I just, and you said, get the audiobook, And so I did. And I, you know, and once I found out it was about kind of like um, the Laurel Canyon and Fleetwood Mac, especially because like, I, I don't know how many times I've watched, there's a, like a, it's called like classic albums. And it was a, a kind of documentary show about albums. And I have yes. watched the Fleetwood Mac rumors one and the um, Steely Dan um Asia those so many times and especially the Fleetwood Mac one yeah. and um so I was like okay this is totally going to be up my alley and um so that's that's where I came to it and I mean I'm just going to talk to you a little bit first of all the audiobook I can't recommend enough because it it just gives you immerses you in a way that I don't think that the I mean the text is quite good but it's just it makes it feel like a documentary and, well, and if you're an, oh, sorry, go and ahead. And the acting in it. Yeah. If you're an audiobook fan and you listen to a lot of audiobooks, you're yeah. used to like the solo narration. Mm -hmm. You might have a, um, a duo narration where they trade off on chapters. And then sometimes you'll get a duet where they're reading lines back and forth to each other. This is something completely different. Right. I it's think a, it's a radio play almost. That's exactly what I think of. I think of what our parents grew up listening to the yeah. radio shows of yesteryear where it truly is a radio play and that's really what to me sets this audiobook apart from every other audiobook um that I've listened to thus far um because it is it is a complete production and you're right the voices behind the audiobook are voices we know um yes. that we're aware of and they they do an amazing job of acting out the story yeah for us to hear so. yeah 
And I mean, I do think that makes it even more why it was impactful because because it was so well done. But I mean, for me, I'll tick off some of the reasons why it's such a big deal to me. Um, we we talk about a lot because you and I used to go see bands and we I would say we were groupie adjacent because we weren't we weren't Pam yes. to bar. We weren't sleeping with any of them. And we were no. seeing local Dallas bands that none of them really did much of anything. But um, we liked being at the front and standing and I loved watching the music and just enjoyed the whole um, um, community of seeing local music. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the first day we met, the first night I went up to Denton, we went into uh, and saw to the Gravity Room and I don't remember what band we saw up in North Texas. I don't either. Oh, Gravity Room. Oh, Gravity Room. But so I related to that, but what I liked about it and I think um, is that Daisy Jones's character is the whole thing of why we named this nobody's muse she's nobody's muse like she didn't want to just stand and watch the guys in the band and like you know all of my girlfriends we we thought the boys were cute and we wanted to date them or maybe you know a couple of my friends they sold merch but we didn't actually think we could be musicians are you wanting to see backup yeah I don't know why we didn't think that we could do that and I think that that's what I um, appreciated about this, especially as her her not wanting to just stand on the sidelines. And I remember reading um, I'm With the Band, the Pam DeBar book, and being mm -hmm. like in my probably my mid-20s reading that and being kind of turned off about it because I'm like, big deal, you slept with a bunch of guys. Cool. You know, I mean, she did have the GTOs eventually, but yeah, um, I liked this Daisy story in the sense that this woman is um, is owning her she's doing it and isn't that cool and I love the fact that so many more young women even like a generation younger than us really are willing have done that you know mm -hmm. and we I just never even thought about it like why didn't I learn three chords and play you know in a punk band so I yeah. think and we did have some female musicians you know, locally that we would see, but I don't know. I guess I never really had the courage to do it. I think that was part of it probably for me was a courage yeah. issue, but I think they but, were and usually, just, and they were usually just lead singers, like not, mm -hmm. um, yeah. I mean, I don't know why, because we, I, I don't know. I, anyway, I think that that's part of it. Um, yeah. and I just really, I mean, it just, ticks off a lot of boxes of that whole idea of I feel like it represents that time period really well and not in a cliche way so Absolutely. and so th yeah. those are and I just really related to um I just really liked all the female characters in in the book and I mean, we're going to go deeper into that but that's what I really got what got it to me she wrote some really strong female characters and mm -hmm. I don't think any of them if you look at any of them individually none of them wanted to stand off to the side no it was no. never their intent um to stand off to the side and just be support for for the guys there right. was an involvement um and a and a desire to have a seat at the table um that we haven't maybe seen in some past representations so yeah I mean even going to like almost famous which is you know you and me one of our favorite movies I would say that's a top movie for me 
um, as much as I love Penny Lane and I love her character and the the idea of the Band-Aid and stuff, you know, I like the strength of these women even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, think they're... No, sh- no shade on Almost Famous, but... No. Well, and I think for us, because we, we were groupie adjacent, while we could look at some of those characters like a Penny Lane and, and, and like the character, I think for us, we probably relate more and maybe it's age and person and development and stuff like that. But I can see myself more in these women than I could ever see myself in Penny Lane. And maybe it's because, you know, of the age I was when that movie came out and where I was in life. And I don't know, but yeah, these, the female characters in this book, um, the, that Taylor Jenkins Reid put out is, um, she's written some really strong female characters. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to us spending some time diving into them as we go through this conversation over the next several weeks. Well, I also wanted to ask you um, a little bit about, because you have a whole community that I'm not a part of with the, the book, your book community. Mm-hmm. And you told, you know, and talk to me just a little bit about like the hype surrounding that book and uh, the book because of that book community and a little bit about, um, you know, th- you know, what, how that all came about for you. So for me, you're absolutely right. I'm very, I find myself very much embedded in the book community. Um, and that is really where I found this book and started hearing about this book. And it's funny because I went back to a couple of groups that I'm involved in and I posted out to them. I said, where did you hear about this book? And um, got a lot of responses, um, a lot of responses of in Facebook book groups, book of the month club, um, which is a subscription box. They, I guess it, it sent out one month then, um, so a lot of it was, you know, Facebook groups, a few TikTok, um, you know, references, but a lot of Facebook, Facebook book communities, which I get because the Facebook community for books is huge and has been probably for the last, I don't know, 10 years or so. I know that's kind of how long I've been involved in it. Um, and you have book bloggers who run groups, you have authors that run their own groups. And within this, you know, we're hearing about all these different books. And that's really where I found this book. Um, you know, I, I, I identified myself in with more of the romance community. I read some YA, erotica and things like that. And although this book, I would not put that in any of those genres, it still is like that community is kind of the one who started hyping it up. Um, and started talking about it, but maybe that's because that's where I'm connected in and that's where I'm plugged in. Um, so that's where I was hearing about it. I know um, one of the producers is Reese Witherspoon. So a lot of people um, will go back and say, you know, I heard about it through Reese Witherspoon's social media. She picked it as a guess her book of the month club. I don't yeah. know. I don't, I don't really engage in that, um, but I guess she hyped it up as her book of the month, kind of like the Oprah book of the month. And so, of course, um, it gained a lot of traction that way as well um, within the book community. So that's some of, you know, where we kind of grew the momentum of it and started hearing more and more about it. Um, But, you know, again, the book itself has been out for a few years. 
I didn't jump onto it. You know, it's kind of because you have a TBR list and it just yeah. continues to grow and grow and grow. And so it's been on my TBR list forever. Um, but I finally just something about it. I just decided I was going to dive in and go ahead and, and give it a whirl. But it's continuing to get um, a lot of mentions in these book communities across Facebook on what we what we refer to as book talk. Um, people are talking it up and um, continuing to drive it. It's I mean, it's still, you know, you and I both look or I looked this afternoon and it is, you know, it is number one on iTunes audiobooks across all genres. Um, it's number, I'm sorry, on fiction. So it's number one iTunes audiobook fiction. It's number four iTunes audiobook across all genres. Same with Audible. It's number four across all genres. It's number two on Amazon book sales. Um, it is number eight right now on the New York Times bestsellers. So, you know, it just continues to get more and, and more momentum behind it. And I think the show is going to drive it even more because I think there's a lot of people who are watching it after hearing about it, but maybe ne not necessarily have given the book a listen to or a read yet. Right. So. Well, so, yeah. and I mean, I think we kind of dived a little bit, you know, I feel like this is a, I think this is a book that's just straight up fiction. It doesn't really fit into um, it's, it's not even, I guess it's genre. I don't, I, I don't even know if it's genre fiction. It, I think it's, um, because it's not, you know, it's not romance, and it's, I, and I mean, I think, and that's kind of nice because I do feel like a lot of um, things that women like, and you know, there's a lot of kind of poo-pooing um, some of the um, the books okay. that have gotten really popular, like you know, the yes. Colleen Hoover's and the you know Fifty Shades yeah. of Grey stuff, which I haven't read any of that, but you know, I'm more of a person that when some people start talking stuff, bad stuff about what women like it really gets to me and I feel like it's mm -hmm. a thing that happens for women basically from the beginning when we're you know teenagers whatever band we like um we're told that's cheesy whatever yeah. thing we like it's not quite good enough right you know that's um and so for me that also makes me kind of like well maybe I need to read these things because everybody's being <laughs> tra yeah. trashing them you know because but um I think that it is going to be I just saw that the Aurora album, it's, it's the first album of like music made specifically for a movie. It's the number mm -hmm. one on iTunes. Yeah. So I looked on, I, I'm a Spotify gal. So I looked on this afternoon and um, the monthly listeners for Daisy Jones and the Six is over a million. And the spent the plays for Regret Me is currently at thirty four million, uh, three point four million. Wow. So it's getting play, it's getting play. Um, so, so yeah. Well, I think let's just dive into and talk about um, the casting first. Okay, of let's the talk show. about some casting. Um, let's, let's go, like, Riley. Let's get, into, let's get into this. Uh, so yeah, let's go with Riley. And how do you Riley say your Keo. last name? Keo. 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 Yeah. Um, um, I, did you ever watch the girlfriend experience? No. Okay. Um, I cannot remember what year it came out. Um, and I want to say it was on stars originally. Um, she was in the very first season of it. And I will tell you, I did not watch subsequent seasons of it, but the very first season of the girlfriend experience, she was in it and she was phenomenal, huge fan, Thought she did a really good job. Um, so that's, you know, where I knew her from 
not even connecting her to her family. I just saw her um, in that movie or in that series and um, really was impressed by her. Um, and then just kind of looking back over her, you know, her history, her filmography. I mean, she's done, you know, some TV movies. She's done a few TV shows, not a whole lot of stuff that I know yeah. other than like the girlfriend experience. She did a Mad Max movie. Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember what she was in that. I should yeah, look that it says up. She played capable. Yeah. Looks like she was in magic Mike. I need to go back and check that out because yeah. I probably I, would I, notice her character. Yeah, I would. Too. Um, and she was in the movie, The Runaways. Which I have seen that. Yes. Oh, and so I, I, did she bit, play Lita? No, she played, well, Mary Cur- uh, Marie Curry. I need to go back and watch. Oh, I haven't seen that one in a long okay. time. Okay, she wasn't a main character. So. Yeah, she was just kind of a peripheral. But, um, I mean, I, she's, I think she's super talented. I mean, what I've seen her in, I think she's super talented. What did um, you, when you were picturing Daisy, or did you, did, when you were re- listening to the audiobook, did you picture somebody? So it was hard because, you know, the, the voice actress in the audiobook is Jennifer Bills. Um, so we can automatically recognize her voice. I recognize her voice as well as, you know, you can picture her face. But even in listening to the audiobook, I never pictured Jennifer Beale no, visually neither. as a character. I really, the original cover of the book mm-hmm. um, with that red hair and those bangs, that's, that was my visual. And that's kind of what I worked off of. And I think, I think Riley fits. She has made herself into Daisy flawlessly. I think. Yeah. I think she's really encapsulated it. When I, um, I think when I read, when I listened to the audiobook, which was, you know, the end of 2022 and um i also watched this really great show on peacock called everything i know about love and um and it's the based on the memoir of a english writer named dolly alderton and the character's name was daisy and she's tall with bangs and even though it's set in the um 2010s late you know it her clothing is very 70s and so like my picture was that actress like I could not like because it would just fell into my head and I mm-hmm. would I mean it's a great show about being in your 20s it's really good um, makes me so glad as a 50 year old that I'm not in my 20s now but um it um that's who I kept picturing and she um but whenever I saw um, Ry- um Riley I was like this is good this works Mm-hmm. so this works yeah yeah so. I think they I think they and even now seeing her in the first three episodes yeah even more so yeah. she has she is she is Daisy yeah so yeah I, I mean think, I think they did a good job with that one I mean I think it's really hard it's a hard thing to do I mean they we you know we know that they've made some changes um in you know the timeline a little bit because how are you supposed to have an actor in their 20s and then somebody in their late 50s you know if in the time span of the book of when the interviews take place so I get that so let's talk about Billy so Sam Claflin yes I'm a fan um I like him a lot I've I've seen several things of his um 
I've seen him in Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not seen Peaky Blinders, but I have a 19-year-old son who is obsessed with Peaky Blinders. Um, and it's been trying to get me to watch it. So maybe now I'll have to watch it. Um, of course, I, he's in it, Enola, he, Enola Holmes, which is, you know, has my boyfriend, Henry Cavill in it. Right. Um, and then the other one that he did was, um, crap, Me Before You. Yeah. What was the book? That one, Me Before You. Yes. Is that what it, yeah, Me Before You. And um, that was a really good movie. Again, another book adaptation that was beloved Mm -hmm. um, by a fandom. I never read the book. Still haven't read the book. Um, But the movie was really, really good. I made the mistake of watching it on an airplane. Thank God it was a night flight. So all of the cabin lights were off because there were were snot bubbles happening when I watched that. But yeah. You know, did I see him as billy no because he's usually pretty clean cut yeah so i had a hard time envisioning i had a hard time envisioning the men me too like what they were going to look like like i could see daisy and maybe it's because they did such um taylor did such a huge she committed a lot of i felt like she committed a lot of energy into describing yes what daisy looked like um that I, I could see her, but I don't feel like she gave me a strong description physically of what the male characters look like. So I yeah. didn't know what to expect. I I think I think after watching the first three episodes, I think that he's very a good singer. I think he does look a little old. I think he yeah. looks he looks more himself when he's in the interview parts. Right, and more believable to me than like the like. There's just some scenes that when we can talk about later where I feel like, oh you, man, you look old. And I mean, he's only thirty six, but I, he's he's a thirty six. Like you know, like he's. I mean, he's I'm like looking you, all thirty. I, like, I was like, do you smoke? I mean, because dang, you know. But yeah, I think. Well, I and mean, then there was a guy that played like the younger version of Billy. Yeah, and I'm like, why did they just keep him? I mean, like, yeah, and I of course I was, don't know. I, I thought he was very was. good. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a very hard. It's a it's a very difficult thing to cast because you've got to get somebody who is believable as a rock star, mm-hmm. you know, and which involves not only just playing the instrument, but they they have to have that charisma. Yeah, yeah, that and that ego that a rock star would have. You so, can't get somebody that's just going to be kind of wishy washy. But yeah, yeah, I think you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how he develops in the character yeah yeah and we'll see how that goes so then we've got camila and i love that her name is camila you know that al pacino is her stepdad no oh yeah and so another nepo baby huh yeah her mom um is a former model yeah um mom's argentinian you know she looks like to me she looks a lot like Liv tyler to me she does have kind of a Liv Tyler look with like more olive, you know, Liv yeah. Tyler's kind of pasty white like us, um, but with that olive complexion, she does have, a, she does a little bit of that look. I get it. I, I see it. really feel Liv Tyler and that thing you do energy from her in this. Yeah. Like I really do. Um, And then, I mean, I don't know if we need to go, I, I like, because I really honestly, just like you, I didn't have good pictures of what the men looked like 
in my head. So like Graham, I'm like, yeah, he's cute. Will Harrison, he's he's cute. Like I don't. I and he, so I looked back through like their credits, and I mean, I'm gonna tell you, I don't of, know their past work. Yeah, some of them are really new, new, new ones, and I think that that's cool because then we don't have, we're not layering what we know about them onto mm-hmm. this. Um, I um. <laughs> which because it is hard like no matter what um because um uh, tim oliphant's at that point now where he's always just going to be tim oliphant like you know like so, his hair in this is just so i mean his whole look dude that, just... i'm sorry but can i just don't understand what is wrong with the wigs these days on tv shows because his wig is terrible and what kills me is i will watch saturday night live and do a wig in a week that these shows can't do and they've got you know somebody who's got to put that on in two seconds and the wigs that some that tim oliphant's wig is it is it is a crime it is but he did rock he did rock the shorty terry cloth robe poolside oh i loved that it was so very 70s yes so very 70s yeah so he pulled that but yeah the hair is bad it's bad it really they did a dude you could have just grown your hair out couldn't you i mean you had plenty of time oh because i mean the timeline the timeline for this is really really long because they had like a year and a half of kind of shutdown they had started working and then they had a year and a half of shutting down during the pandemic and then came back together i'm like dude you were in lockdown. Grow your hair uh, out, man. You know, he's got to go. He's got to go be Raylan again and others. <laughs> so I, I would say I, um, Karen, Karen is very different from the, or yes. Karen. I mean, first of all, I don't even think they're calling her Karen, Karen in the show, but, um, especially cause I love the actress that plays her in the, um, Judy Greer. Judy Greer, because if you don't know Judy Greer, and if you watched um, Arrested Development, she's... How can you not know who Judy Greer is? If she's the one who's like, you'll never see these again, Michael! I mean, she's just... How could you not know who Judy Greer I, is? I don't what know. Rock, what rock are you living under that you don't know who she is? I mean, she's such a great dramatic actress and comedic actress so she's so hilarious and she's just done so i mean you start flipping back through her and you're just like all the things that she's done you're like oh yeah she's done that oh yeah she's done that and you're just like i don't know i'm a huge fan well so i i I was not expecting i was not expecting the british actress but i'm kind of glad because then if it because judy's read on some because karen in the book has some of the best lines that i think it makes it good that she's not. I think. I think it's a good choice because I would have just wanted this actress to read the way Judy did. So yeah. I think. Um, and then I thought Simone looked pretty much what I thought Simone would look like, mm-hmm. and um, and she really she hasn't done very much at all, and I'm really excited. No, for I her. think she was in Black. She had a small kind of part. a small role in Black Panther. Yeah, so, so makes me want to go back and watch it again so I can find her in there, but. Yeah, and, the, and then um, the guy who played Teddy Price, which that's also very different, because the Teddy Price in the book is much more of a, oh, whoever the manager of the um, of Led Zeppelin was, yeah, um, he, he kind of had like 
that's kind of the energy that I got from what right. this. And well, there's a stereotypical band manager that we always think about in yeah. situations. Yeah. And yeah, he didn't fit that. And but um, Tom Wright, I loved it. He did a great job. And everybody well, knows you know Tom Wright's face. You're like, yes. where do I know him from? Yes. He's just he's a great character actor. He's done so many things. Um and but with his and- hair, he looked so different. I feel like because I, once I saw a, a headshot of him without his fro, I was like, oh, that guy. That guy. He looks a lot older with the fro. Yes. I don't know what that is, but he does. I think he looks a lot older with the fro. But I still think, he, you know, he's he's somebody that if you, yeah, when you see him without the fro, you'll recognize him who he is when he's done. A, I can't even count. Yeah. The thing that I, that I immediately was like, oh, he did Seinfeld. Yes, of course. He did, four episodes, he did four episodes of Seinfeld. Of course, of course. he did. Everybody's been on Seinfeld. <laughs> it's like it's like now everybody's been on Law and Order, right? Uh, so um, we wanted to kind of one of the things after. Is there anybody else in the casting? I thought like Warren, great. I mean, that's just such a fun character. I do appreciate yeah. that they kind of decided they they went as diverse as they could be. I think mm-hmm. um, with yeah. it. Um, and um i mean eddie i'm i'm interested to see i think that actor i really like his energy especially um in the parts where there he's in the interview where he's aged up i think mm-hmm. he's got a really good um and i i think he's going to have probably i mean i believe his storyline is going to be very different than what it is in the book that's my one of my yeah. predictions and um, we know that there's some characters and we're going to talk about this later on Um, You know, there are characters that were a part of the book that are not a part of the TV show. Yeah. And that's, that's typical, you know, we see characters combined or completely eliminated because there's just too much going on um, to be able to accommodate all of them. So, and I think that's something you and I talked about um, is we are both trying our best to go into the show with fresh eyes as a different piece of work as much as we you, you texted that to me on friday last week and i was like okay and i had kind of this moment with myself and i was like okay i'm gonna this i'm gonna listen to crystal on this because i did need to separate okay because we are going to talk about the book we are going to talk about the audiobook eventually but i'm i'm gonna separate and i'm looking at this as a television show first and so i'm gonna have to let go of some of those things and, yeah, and I mean it's hard. I mean, you enjoy know, for if, what it is. If you were a person who read the Harry Potter books and didn't, and before you watch the movies, like the movies never quite get there. I would say for yeah. me, the only time really that a book has actually been the movie has actually been better than the book for me was um, the Fellowship of the Ring, because as a person who's read those books many many times, I would always skip the Tom Bombadil part that they took out because I'm like this is yeah. tedious so like I feel like the Fellowship of the Ring is one of the few times I ever was like there's been lots of them where I'm like they did a good job they did a good job yeah. of adapting that but the book is still better right um but I feel like this um really so i knowing that going in I'm just trying to soak it all in as a uh, as a lover of um, that time period. That genre. Um, yeah. That music. And, yes. That vibe. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to go into it with that mindset. I'm I'm taking away the book and I'm just going into it because I am a huge fan of 
that era of music that vibe that look all of that so yeah so So coming into it like that I think helps yeah because already we can talk about it now we know that they're not using the lyrics from the book yes in the songs correct and um, and I'm really struggling with that yeah. yeah I'm listening I'm listening to the soundtrack more and more um, but I'm really struggling with the attitude. And I told you, I found a couple of articles mm-hmm. on this where they said very early on, we knew that we were going to have to let the lyrics go. And even Taylor has said, you know, you do what you need to do to make this work. But the lyrics are such an important part of the book okay. that it really, that was one that I'm having a hard time. And we talked about this. I'm a lyrics person. Yeah. You're a musical, you're a music riff person and I'm the lyric person. And I'm struggling with the fact that the lyrics are not the same because it has completely changed the tone of a couple of the songs yeah. that are pinnacles of the book it's completely changed the vibe of it so that's one that I'm struggling with and I would still you told me and I haven't gone out there and looked there's some people on YouTube that have done the actual lyrics yeah original lyrics which if you buy the paperback in the back of the paperback you will find all of the lyrics that are part of the book and they're they're part of the ebook the kindle so I because I had that okay yeah Um, so I mean, like I said, I'm still, I'm listening to the, I'm listening to the soundtrack more and more um, so that I can get past that. And I continue to listen to it and I'm, I'm, I'm liking the music a lot. Um, So I'm trying to, I'm trying to push, push through the pain. I mean, I do kind of feel like considering, like I, I listen to a lot of, and of things that about songwriters and songwriters are told or given, like we need this, like for Broadway musicals, they're giving this is the storyline we need to push through. So write some lyrics to go with this. So it doesn't make, I mean, but I don't know anything about composing. So, right. but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me that they wouldn't have been able to at least put more of those lyrics in. Well, and that's the, one of the articles that I found where they were talking about, we had to decide very early on to let the lyrics go. Um, one of the lines in there was talking about how, you know, we hired these professional songwriters Um So we just kind of let them do their thing. But I'm like, if they're professional songwriters, then they should be able to come into it with lyrics presented to them and knowing this is the vibe and this is what's going on in the story at the time that this song is is part of it. We need you to write a melody to go around that. But again, I don't know anything about composing. Or just even say, okay, we're going to be able to, we can't use all of this for this to get the rhythm we need, but we can do this. I just feel like the thing, it makes me not feel great um, that from the very beginning, they said, we, we're going to have to let the lyrics go. And well, we had professional songwriters. Well, Taylor Jenkins Reid is a professional writer. Like what? And she um, wrote some good lyrics. That's what I'm saying. And it, because you can be you can be a novelist and not be able to write lyrics. Yes. She wrote a novel, has written multiple novels, and she wrote great lyrics. And just one of the songs in particular, and I don't want to spoil anything, but one of the songs in particular plays such a crucial role in the story toward the end. Yes. I 
I don't know how I'm going to get past that, yeah. but I'm going to work on it. I've got time. I've got time. I'm yeah. going to, so I'm going to try. I think that, and this is me just being like super, I've become a paranoid woman, but I just feel like I doubt, I just wonder if they would have said that if it had been a male writer who'd written male lyrics. I don't think that's, par- I don't think that's paranoia. I think that's the reality in which we have lived in and grown up in. And, and also no, nothing. So anyway, that, but moving on from there, we can talk about, so, you know, the showrunner, he is uh, Scott Nudstadter. Stadler. So tell us what a showrunner is, because this is something I was like, uh, and you having industry experience and having worked in the industry for a very long time, I need you to explain to me what a showrunner is. Well, my experience working at local TV doesn't have anything to do with with showrunners, but your nerdy bookness is my nerdy TV stuff. So uh, the showrunner is basically like the movie director, like in a film, the showrunner, the, the, in a film, the, the director, often he is, he's leading the whole thing. Um, And the showrunner is even more of that because he is leading the writing and the vision of the show. So, okay. so like, you know, Mindy Kaling is the showrunner of the Mindy project. So she's in there writing it. I was going to um, say, so she's in the writer's room and yes. then she's out. And she's okay. probably on set too, or Craig Mazin is the showrunner of The Last of Us. And he was a showrunner of Ch- Chernobyl. So um, he didn't write the original. He didn't write, you know, The Last of Us, but he's adapting that screen, that book for television. So he's driving mm-hmm. it. And then each show will have a director and that director will come in and they will have their own vision of how to direct this part of the story. But the showrunner is the person who will ultimately say, um, still has kind of a final say in a lot of that stuff he they're working closely uh, being a showrunner in television is insane especially like if you think of quinta brunson um doing 22 episodes or anybody who does um like the law and order shows like the dick wolves those show or mm-hmm. um or shonda you know when she was shonda rhymes doing 22 episodes of gray's anatomy hour-long shows they're insane they, they are a different kind of person than I could ever yeah. be because I, I don't ever want to work that hard. Not even for <laughs> not even for something as cool as this, you know. Yeah. So so he is the showrunner. So he's he's the person who's basically, you know, each show will have a writing credit. And in dramas, it's a little different. Usually in dramas, the writing credit, that person really has written all of it and in um, uh, in a comedy there's a writer's room and there's a person who is named the writer but it's a much more collaborative thing they'll probably write out all the beats and then they'll come back into the room and then they'll punch it up whereas in a mm-hmm. and that really the how the writer's room is run it, that's completely up to the showrunner the showrunner is the end-all be-all he's he, they're like the ceo they're everything on a show so okay. That's why a lot of them have meltdowns and, you know, and, and the, the culture of a show is determined by that showrunner. Right. So, well, but, that makes so, sense. But, you know, he has a really interesting, you know, his background, like he wrote 500 Days of Summer. Like he has, um, I feel like his writing credits are um, very in line with what this show is trying to do. So it makes sense that he would do it. Um, that he is directing it or he's running the show I I, would I have liked it maybe to be a woman yes because that's just who I am in this point in my life but um 
he, you know, he has his credits are oh Rosaline, which I keep meaning to watch. It's on my list. It's the oh. um, it's about the other, you know, it's the Romeo and Juliet tale told. Yeah. So, you know, he he's written a lot of screenplays. He's probably done a lot of fixing of screenplays too. If he has this many screenplay credits mm-hmm. that he probably didn't get credit for. He's probably taken passes at lots of screenplays. Um, yeah. The Fault in Our Stars, which I do like that movie. Oh my gosh. Um, that's pretty rough. Um, I love that movie though. And he. Um, I love Ansel. Yeah. And then, you know, so I think he, I also meant to read, let's see, he has a lot of movies that I do need to see. So he, I'm interested to see how, especially because the first some episodes were directed by men, and I'm interested to see um, if I can, like the history and how things go as the, the next episodes um, are directed. A lot of them are by women. Mm-hmm. And when we go through the, um, each episode, I'll do a little bit more research on the past of the, you know, what other credits the directors and writers have. Right. So, but, you know, what are you really looking forward to from this? What are you, what are you hoping for? So what am I hoping for? Um, You know, I really, in the audiobook loved Camille, Camilla's character. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how they flush her out on screen. Um, because I do think that she was, um, a really important and she was a really important character and her voice, I think, I don't know. I just, her voice and what she had to say in the book, um, were so, um integral to the storytelling mm-hmm. so i'm curious to see if they develop the character out in a similar way yeah um you know because some of the things that they've done so far i've been like a little uh, um yeah. so i i am anxiously awaiting to see how they flush her out and then i'm looking forward to the ultimate tension that we see between Billy and Daisy mm-hmm. um I'm also looking for that I want to see how they depict that the bottom for Daisy where she yeah. is really in the depths of her addiction and because I think we could read that and listen to that and visualize having grown up in that era having seen it portrayed out in television and in movies before we could visualize what that looked like Mm -hmm. um so i'm anxious to see i'm i'm excited to see how they bring her addiction to life on screen that may sound weird but no i'm just because i do think it's an important important part of who she is and it's important part of her character development and where she goes to being able to sit in that chair for those interviews Mm -hmm. um she would not I don't think she would be at that point had she not gone through emotionally everything that she had gone through leading up to that so yeah I'm really looking I'm looking forward to to the spectacle I feel like we just um in the first the, the first three episodes we just start getting there the spectacle yeah the the spectacle of a rock band 
mm-hmm. you know, um, that is because I feel like look thinking just back now, even after just talking about this, um, we didn't we didn't relate to Penny Lane. We relate to Russell. You know, we relate to the kid mm-hmm. and almost famous. We're right. We we're that kid. We love that music. We love those guys. We you know, that's who we relate to. And I think that the spectacle of that, and I like anything about songwriting, because I don't know how you do that. Like, I personally, yeah. like, you know, the little, what's her name, who wrote um, the um, Driver's License or whatever that song. Oh, yeah. Olivia like, Rodriguez. Listening to yeah. her talk about writing that song, I'm like, you're just a miracle. Like, to me, that is just so... I'm- always been in awe of yes or you know or or Burt Bacharach you know just that so I um and I feel like it's almost like people who are able to speak multiple languages very easily polyglots like I feel Mm -hmm. like people who can write music like they have this um especially like the songwriter person like there's something about them that's really special so um I'm really looking forward to seeing like I like lots of um, dramatic scenes in studios. That's a fun thing for me in recording studios. Yes, so, which episode three is going to deliver that? And I can't wait for us yeah. to talk about that one because yeah. episode episode three delivers that one. Yeah, but so. yeah, no, there's there is something um, there is a a a sense of envy that I have always had for people that can write lyrics. And I've always had for musicians because it's not a skill that I was ever able to pick up probably because I didn't come at the time to it. Um, but lyricists, I think that's even something I think, I, I think anybody can pick up a guitar and start playing it, but there's something about a songwriter that not, not just everybody can do. Right. So, well, we've been talking for, I say that. I can't play guitar, but anyway. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean. Um, yeah. We were um, we're kind of getting close. We've been talking for a while now. And so um, I wanted to just kind of go over, here's how the podcast will work if you're still listening. Um, next week, we are going to go through um, episodes one through one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after the week after that, we'll do episode three. Um, we're not going to try and do it in the order of the way Amazon is releasing it because it's crazy how they're releasing it. Um, I think they're kind of doing it in a way like the way Andor did, if you watched Andor, um, TV nerd here, um, <laughs> because they kind of did it by storyline. And I, I have a feeling that's what Amazon is doing. So, But mm-hmm. we're going to just do it where we can feel like we can do the best deep dive on these episodes and really t- hash it out. Right. So, um, and then probably after the series is over, we'll do a whole one just kind of about the book and yeah. maybe even a second one really discussing um, deep dive into the music and the bands that the people, the artists who contributed and really kind of dissecting those um, even deeper than we do when we talk about each episode. So that's kind of the plan. But I like we, the plan. We decided to close out on something. Well, I'm so fun. excited about this. So, um, there, um, this is something that I think we've talked to about a lot anyway. Is the whole um, fake bands and fake music thing? 
um, in pop culture. And um, so, and with this coming out, there's been a whole bunch of lists. Rolling Stone just did one. One of my favorite um, writers, Alan Sepinwell, did one. And actually, there's another podcast that I love. If you if you like a long-ass podcast, um, Screen Drafts is where they draft movies kind of like the way you do fantasy football it's very convoluted <laughs> and they talk for hours i'm talking literal hours but they do a really fun one about um fake bands and um that kind of um introduced me to some some new movies that i hadn't seen and so i highly recommend that just go to screen drafts and you can find it but well, um, even Dave, looking at these lists i there were bands yeah. that they brought up or they were movies that they brought up in these lists and i was like I haven't seen that. And then there were some movies that they brought up and and considered them to have bands in it. And I was like, no, they aren't. Right. Um, so, and I mean, so. I'm going to just say, I probably broke all the rules of what a band is or what this is about, but I just wanted to throw out a list of things that I liked. So, so uh, yeah, because not all of mine are bands. Right. Encompassing multiple people. Okay. Um, Me too. But yeah. So. And um. um and we'll put so the, we picked our we picked our top five. Yes, I did and have I, also, a, I did have a few um, honorable mentions. That oh, I me too. I here. have a lot of honorable mentions. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna go. I'm gonna, you want to you want to start with your number five? I'll start with my number five. Go. So I picked um, from the not the movie Nashville because that's, but from the TV show Nashville, um, the song. I didn't even think about TV. Oh, you didn't? Well, because no, this is because movies. Because this is a TV show, so this is true. This <laughs> is for movies. Okay, well okay, that's good. Go but so Nashville. Um, okay, I picked from Nashville. No one will ever love you. Um, it is. I when it came when that I didn't really. I think I watched the first two seasons of Nashville and then kind of fell off uh -huh. on it. That's from the first season. It's like maybe the second episode. The minute they played that song, I went to iTunes and bought it, and it is. A beautiful song it's written by the guy from the civil wars okay D it is it is yes. it is beautiful and the, the, in in the tv show it is a pivotal moment and also that show is just a um an endorsement of connie britain's beautiful hair and beautiful jackets and so i didn't even think about I didn't even think about including television shows, but I will tell you, Nashville is the place where I discovered the Civil Wars, and I can tell you, the Civil Wars are top five band for me. Really? I, mean, I still, oh, listen to them consistently, and still devastated. That How did they we never up. talk about that? How? <laughs> How did we never talk about that? But that is where I discovered the Civil Wars and obsessed with the Civil Wars. I love them. Well, yes. no one will ever love you has a line in it that says, why don't you get off? He it's because it's a duet. It's her and Deacon, you know, and they're, they used to be together. So is it Connie Britton and Deacon? Mm-hmm. So okay. Rain and Deacon and he, Deacon. and they're, you know, they used to be together and, and, and sing and now, and so, and, and there, and he sings, you know, she sings something and he says, why don't you get off your high heels? And I think that's so, because you think he's going to say high horse. And mm -hmm. it's just so, and the way he sings it. And what's so funny is the guy who plays Deacon um, is also, oh, you is... You will recognize him from, mm -hmm. from uh, 
What is he's it? So many things. But he's from the improv show. Yes. Um, uh, whose line is it anyway? Whose line is it anyway? I saw him live. Okay. And to see him play this guy who's so morose and then be that funny guy on whose line is it anyway is so great. But yes, that's my top. That's my number five. Okay. So my number five, you're going to laugh. Um, my number five is the 1986 Australian classic. <laughs> I knew this. About a punk band in Melbourne, Australia. And nobody knows about this movie except for you and a few <laughs> small friends. Um, and that is a movie called Dogs in Space. Yes. Um, I became obsessed with this movie in high school. I think myself and my little group of nerdy music friends were the only people that ever rented that movie from the sound warehouse on Hewlin. Yes. Um, I wore my cassette out. I still continue to scour the internet today to try to find a digital version of the soundtrack. Um, I have a VHS copy of the movie. Don't have a VCR anymore, but I have a VHS copy of the movie. And um, I don't even, you know, if you're, if you're still listening to this podcast, go out to, go out to the web, go out to the YouTube, the YouTubes and, and go search it up because it is, um, it's a great, I, I love the movie. I love the movie. So that's my number five. Is, Dogs there, a, in space. is there a particular song? Um, so there's a song and you can actually find the video out on YouTube. Um, it's called Rooms for a Memory. Okay. And it's a song that they play toward the end of the video or at the end of the movie. <laughs> movie. Um, but there's just a lot of great like punk music. Like there's Iggy Pop music in there. Um <laughs> There's Brian Eno has a song in there. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the music is just, I'm trying to look for the tracks to see if I can find. Um, but there's a lot of like the shivers are in there. There's a lot of like punk bands that if you are familiar with punk, like real punk, um, 80s punk, um, then these will, you'll, you'll know who these bands are. Well, was there, but yeah. was Dogs in Space a band? Dogs in Space was a band. And so, okay. So then they, was, have, they had their own songs. Yes. Because if yes. not, I'm going to have to kick that out. No, they had their own songs. Okay. <laughs> they played, I mean, they, that was the whole story was this band right. lived in this I house so. I, I with think... some random other people. Um, but yeah, so they were truly a band in the video. I or in remember, the movie. I have watched this movie, but it was always I'm one sure of those, we made like, you watch it. It was I'm like sure. one of the like a slumber party kind of thing where i like and then you know i'd have no i don't have a lot of memory of it i remember it seeming very dirty and brown that's it my was. that's yes, my memories of it super disgusting dirty people lived in this filthy filthy yes. ass house i don't think michael hutchins ever bathed during the movie like yeah almost to the point of like dreadlocks his hair was yeah. so matted and filthy yeah yes. that's what i remember because i kind of remember think when i think of that movie and i think of the british show the young ones the, mm -hmm. the, like kind of the same um uh visceral smell coming through the television yes. okay but, you know it's michael hutchins and i love yeah. him and i miss him and yeah the music was great yeah Okay, so those are number fives. Okay, number so four. You you do your number four first. Number four for me is um, that thing you do. Yeah, the Tom Hanks classic. Um, and really, there's only like 
two songs in the whole movie but I love all the cast the Oneaters the Wonders Liv Tyler yeah. I just think it Tom Hanks in there I just think it's a great it's a great movie that was my number one um, actually one? the song the song that thing you do is my number one um I I I mean Adam Schlesinger the guy who wrote it was you know rest in peace he was an incredibly talented person and um I um yes I think it's I actually think that's one of uh, like a perfect movie I think it's oh I think it's a great movie everything about it is perfect I love um I I love just there's it's just so good Tom you know it it has all of the things that you want there's no more better scene of pure joy than when they hear the song on the radio and they're running they're and, running down the street yeah with her little transistor radio and the little yes. single little earbud in yeah yeah, yeah. and the, the, and just visually the movie is great because yes. it's just even though you know the time period was kind of a dark period in the country's history the the just the visual of it was always so bright mm-hmm. and um great costumes and you know great sets that were just truly authentic to the time period so yeah, yeah. and just tom hanks characters like oh you guys look great in red you guys look great in blue and just yeah everything Here, now your that. shades yeah you know your shades okay what's okay, your so that was four? my number four mm-hmm. so that was my number four what's your number four? Oh, my number four is um dewey cox um while card the dewey cox story and i know it's a parody but i don't care i love that movie and i would say i'm picking of that the song i love the most is let's duet um and but i would say me and my me and my husband have listened to the soundtrack to that so many times i love the fake roy orbison one it is so funny um and i I can't recommend that movie enough. I think it's just one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. And I saw it in the movie theater. I guess I'm one of the five people, me and my husband are one of the, two of the five people who did because it was a big bomb. But I thought it was just perfect. And um, Let's Do It, I think is, it it just does so many funny things to it. And um, so, yeah. And he's just such, he was such the perfect he just nailed it well and if you go on youtube you can see him they toured as dewey cox and him playing guitar and it's so he he put so much into it and all of the songs on there are, i wonder a, if he played beforehand i think he did um yeah. he's but he put like the fake bob dylan one is so funny and just the whole movie and the whole um you don't want none of this, do we? It just the whole, the whole, and I feel like it kind of has ruined biopics about musicians for me because I always um, think about that movie and and like. So, so it's, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember. So if you've watched um, Walk the Line, then you know that yes. Johnny Cash had a brother who was killed. Yes, in an a farming accident. How was Dewey's brother? I can't. He had him. He had something him. crazy. He sawed him in half on accident because he was swinging around a sky or something like that. And I knew it was some kind of whack or alleyway that he killed his brother. I mean, I've been halved, doing. I've been halved. That's hilarious. Yes. Okay, so which number was that for us? That was four. That was four. Okay, yeah. so you want my number three? 
I'll do I'll do my number three first. You don't do your number do, three. Like, it's a serpentine draft. Um, I picked um the thing called love. Okay. With River Phoenix and Samantha Mathis. And you know I love that movie. I feel like my list sucks now because I completely you and I love that movie. I picked, we talk about that movie all the time. I picked um the Lone Star State of Mind, which this like the internet has been responsible for a lot of evil in the world, but I had looked for because that his River Phoenix versions of Lone Star State of Mind is not on the soundtrack. Mm-mm, nope. And I thank you, Internet, for having that on YouTube now, and I can listen to it anytime I want. And um, I love that. Damn uh, it, I can't believe I forgot that one. And I love that movie. God, and I, I also love it because that movie is when, you know, because that was a really good time in country music. Mm-hmm. And there was like, we had Radney Foster, we had, you know, we had some really, we had uh, Pam Tillis. What was a strong singer songwriter? Yes. It was a a strong singer songwriter error. Yes. Even though that movie came out in 93. Yeah. When we were getting into, we were getting, we were, there was a shift happening in 93. There was a shift. There was still, that one to me is like. It's just the, it's the true Nashville experience of going to the Bluebird Cafe yes. and waiting in line. And, you know, you saw the same thing in Nashville too. You know, yes. there was the, the, the Bluebird Cafe played a big part in that TV yes. show, but you had these songwriters. Yeah, it was really, that movie was about the songwriters. And I really, and also I feel like oh, it was I first. I can't believe I freaking forgot that movie. God <laughs> damn, that pisses me off. <laughs> And it's the first movie, um, because I'm not from Texas, you know, moved here in junior high and really did not like it here until college, honestly. Like everybody has fond memories of high school. And even though we knew each other in high school, I would say we were a Venn diagram of we had yes. similar friends, but we weren't like perfect, I didn't have your phone number. Perfect description of our friendship in high yeah. school. Um, so I um this movie was the thing where I started going, oh, these these people are from Texas. Oh, yeah, Willie Nelson is from Texas. Oh, Jerry Jeff Walker is from Texas. Oh, Waylon Jennings. And kind of really understanding that Texas is different um, from regular country music. And it kind of started, which really peaked in like mid, like 2000, um, 2005, 2006 for me, of like me really loving Texas music particularly. Yeah. And and also embracing the fact that I live in Texas, um, yeah. and that was a small window where now I don't know how I feel about that anymore. <laughs> we're born raised here, <laughs> but, but no, um, you're right because I think you hit on a very there is a there is a difference between Texas country and what was in Nashville at the time, but you, you could still see this connection between the two. Yes. But a lot but of those I, great songwriters that we associate but, with that time period are, yeah, they're Texas writers. There, it's Radney yeah. Foster, um, even Richie, yeah, even even Garth Brooks. He's an Oklahoma boy, but and but yeah. I mean, before Garth Brooks, you know, became Garth Brooks, like that first album is a lot of really good songwriting from him. You know, yeah. so well, you I, know, like Bruce Robinson, Bruce Robinson, Charlie Robinson, yeah. Kelly Robinson, Kevin Welch, yeah, that you know. 
again, having grown up in Texas and not really being a fan of country music, those people in that realm of country music were always ones that I've enjoyed and still enjoy. Well, and I would also just say um, it's a great movie to see um, um, Sandra Bullock, little Sandy Bullock as a, you know, as the, as the best friend, the sassy, you know, the sassy best the friend. girl. And also Dermot Mulroney looking cute. And then you get to see a lot of cameos. You see KT Oslin. You see, I believe, Trisha mm-hmm. Yearwood. Um, yeah. So, um, they I bring into Trisha oh, Yearwood's um, car. What's his name? Um, oh, I can't remember it right now. But there are just a lot of cameos. Damn, from... I'm gonna have to go back and watch that movie now. Yeah, there's and, there's a lot. Okay, so what's your number so three? Um, okay, God damn, I'm still pissed that I missed that one. Um, okay, hold on, I gotta pull my list up here. Frick, my phone locked. <sighs> Okay, um, my number three is, I don't know if this is one that you knew that I would put on my list, but my number three is, gosh, I can't remember when this came out. Hold on, I'm going to Google it so that I can. Uh, my number three is the 1996 classic, classic um, Grace of My Heart. I, I, that was, I, no, I would not have thought you put that on there. Grace of my heart, oh. which is, um, it's Ileana Douglas. Yes. Um, it's Allison Anders. Yes. Her, it's, she wrote it and directed it. Ileana Douglas is in it. Matt Dillon's in it. John Tatura is in it. Eric Stoltz is in it. And it's kind of loosely based on Carol King. Yes. As a songwriter and kind of this transition of this songwriter behind the scenes and then the girl genre and then coming into her own through lots of tragedy but coming into her own as her own singer songwriter performer but yeah i love that movie and that soundtrack has so many kristen uh kristen vigard is one of the female singers on there um sean colvin has a song on there elvis costello and bart Bacharach have a song on there that's um so you know there's so many great songs on because Ileana Douglas did not sing her own stuff it was just Kristen Vigard um who did all of the all of her songs um but yeah oh I love that movie I mean God Give Me Strength is just a perfect song yes yeah and just knowing where it comes at the end of the movie and like what she's what she's gone through um, and I mean, there's, you know, it's loosely based on Carol King, but then again, you get into this whole Laurel Canyon Malibu yeah. vibe because she starts out in New York yeah. as this, you know, ugly building songwriter. And then she transitions out to California where it's this whole, um, you know, you get a Beach Boys vibe, you get, you know, the whole Laurel Canyon Malibu vibe going on with it. Right. And so, Yeah. And I would say, if you like that movie, there's a great book called uh, Music in the Air. Um, It's all about the Brill Building, and it, like, talks about all of those songwriters and all of the great music that came from that building and from those people, including Carole King. And I would say that also it's a great story about how this country would not have any culture if it wasn't for our people of color, our our African-American people and our Jewish people, because they are pretty much every song that you love from the fifties and sixties is about those people. 
was by yeah. those people and performed by that group of people. Yeah. So um, anyway, that's my okay, little rant three? for there. My number, yeah, no. um, number three. The, we're, we're, no, we're did, I already did oh, number three. You're number three. So you it's do number be. two. No, what's your number two? Um, number two is a mighty wind. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so good. Anything and everything, Christopher Guest. Yes. Eugene Levy, Harry Shearer. I mean, you go back to Spinal Tap, which I do love Spinal Tap. Um, but A Mighty Wind. God, I just I just love the movie. I just love the movie. Jane Lynch is in it. Um, God, who was the guy that played Letterman when they did the t- when they did the HBO movie about um oh, the late the night H- talk show wars? Hold on, Mighty Wind. I gotta, I gotta Google this. 2003 was when the movie came out. Um, Michael McKeon, Harry Shearer, Parker Posey's in it. Catherine O'Hara, of course, is all is in it. Um, but I just, you know, it's it's a great mock. It's another great mockumentary from Christopher Guest. I mean, well, it goes I- back, and it it's you know, if you haven't seen it, it's all of the 60s folk groups coming together for this um, tribute concert for somebody um i guess who was i want to say a record label owner or some producer that had died um and so they were coming together to do this tribute concert and so all of these different acts from days gone by and they show old footage of them and then coming into current day interviews with them and yeah i love them <laughs> Well, I would say in the part that Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara, their part is actually quite touching. Like it's, yes, it's like, I kind of, you know, it's really sweet. You know, song, and their, their song it. is so sweet. And, you know, I, yeah, that's a really, it's, that's a, that's a great choice. I love that. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. So my movie um, is from, I believe, um, uh, I can't remember what year, but here's the thing: it is um, starring Diane Lane. Oh, Streets of Fire. And I would say my favorite song is by the fake, um, like Temptations type band, The Sorrels. Um, I can dream about you, but um, which is actually sung by Dan Hartman, a, a very, a very blonde man. But yes, yeah, Streets of Fire is my number two. Um, because oh, I love I Can Dream About You. That is a great, that is a great song. And oh, hold on. So who was the main? Michael Paré. Oh, there you go. Yummy. Oh, and Diane, Diane Lane was a badass in that and, movie. Well, and you know, it's interesting. Both of them are in movies, are in other awesome fake band movies, because he's in Eddie and the Cruisers, which has yes. one of my favorite is another one of my favorite songs fake songs is uh, on the dark side and then she's in the fabulous stains which is an amazing movie she's just a little so young in that. that one you have to see that movie but um so good and it's got her and laura dern very young laura dern in it um and it's about some girls who have a punk band and i mean i just think that's so interesting that both of them were in these other other great, movies with yeah. fake bands but i mean come on i mean 
the song tonight tonight is what it means to be young i mean it's so overwrought it's by the guy who, you know it's by meatloaf's songwriter the guy who wrote um all of those songs um yeah who who just passed away recently really interesting guy um but yeah streets of fire that's a good one okay so we're at our number ones yeah so you i already told one. you mine i already told you mine mine you was already the, told me that. yeah that thing you do is my number one so what's yours so my number one is almost famous okay yeah that's my number one yeah um but damn you threw out some good ones that i hadn't thought about and so um but yeah and i mean if you think looking at the soundtrack itself like there's only one still water song on the soundtrack yeah fever dog but it's really good i just but it's a really good song i just re-watched that um just when i was making my list because i was like but I watched that movie at least three times a year. At wow. least. I love that movie. Yeah. I love, I love Jason Lee. I love Billy Crudup. Yes. I just, I love, I love, and I don't just love the Billy. I don't just love Penny Lane's character. Um, Who is, I can't remember. Faruza Balk. Faruza Balk's character. Yeah. I love her. I'm just. Well, and even Anna Quinlan, um, Anna, yeah, Anna Quinlan. Why is my mom the one blank? that won the Oscar for the piano? Anna, That's Anna, no, Paquin, Paquin, Anna Paquin. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I just love that movie. I, I just love too. that movie, and you know, you think about the song. I mean, there is only one. There's only one still Stillwater band or Stillwater song in there. Um. But, you know, the scene where they thought the plane was going to go down and they're like screaming at each other and talk and like, yeah, just revealing all kinds of secrets. And then the the, the plane um, survives and, you know, and just Russell's character. And uh, I just, yeah. It's not I Russell. I don't know. I kept saying Russell. It's Cameron Crowe, not Russell Crowe, who well, I do like. Cameron yeah, Crowe. It, no, it's Cameron Crowe. Cameron Crowe is from, Russ. Is his name Russell in the? Well, Russell's his... one. Russell is the um, Billy Crudup character. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. So, um, but yeah, I just, um, yeah, that's probably again, that's a movie that I've watched probably two or three times at least a year. Wow, I watch that one because I just so. I love it. I lo- and again, it goes that it's that whole you know, era of music that I just really, really dig. So. Well, I want to throw out some of my, um, my runner ups. Um, yeah. Um, Sing Street is, uh, it came out in 2016. It's by the same guy who did once. Okay. Um, love it. It's about a young kid who basically decides to start a band to, he, he, to meet a girl and it's, so the music is the music is so good and um it i i it's it's definitely now in my rotation like i just watched it last year i found out about it because of the screen drafts um podcast and Mm -hmm. it is so good um i'm gonna i'm gonna just run through a few more yeah Um, run through nashville the robert altman movie from the 70s um, yes has some great performances um and really taps into that 70s um country music scene and especially there's one called my idaho home by a woman who the character is very much like a loretta lynn and Mm -hmm. 
it's it's actually a movie like it could be kind of a parody of coal miner's daughter but it's not because it's so sweet and her poor performance is so good and then also i haven't Karen, seen that movie in so long karen black is in it um mm-hmm. i mean all of your you know all of the you know um lily tomlin all of the 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 robert altman people are in it i people yeah yeah it's His crew it's such a great movie it's very meandering it's very robert altman but um it it has got some great music in it. Um, I would say I'm putting um, the Barbara Streisand um, "A Star Is Born," especially um, "Watch Closely Now" by Chris Christopherson. He mm-hmm. sings it. It's a Paul Williams song. Um, there are a lot of flaws to that ver- that uh, movie. I mean, of course, it does have Evergreen, which is a gorgeous Barbara Streisand hit. Um, her clothes are just amazing in it and there's actually if you go on youtube you can see her costume fittings they t- um, um screen tests for her costumes and um mm-hmm. and it's such a great thing at the end of the movie it says um the credit is miss um, streisand's costumes from her closet so just um and um <laughs> did you like the did you like the lady gaga and yeah, bradley yeah. cooper one i enjoyed okay. it yeah i thought i mean i thought shallow i love that song yeah i mean i, I was pleasantly surprised at how well he could sing um i thought i thought all of it was really well and i really liked how they kind of addressed um like the you know tonight it you know hearing problems mm-hmm. and some of those things i mean it's um it's not as i mean it's it's one of those things that i think like you have to remake that every um 30 decades or you know like every 30 years you should remake it just because yeah. um i thought it was really good i mean that scene where he brings her up on stage that's the spectacle that i love i mean and mm-hmm. they're, they're where that she's scene, like he's dragging her out there i on mean stage. and that is very much like a scene in the barbara streisand one and he brings mm-hmm. her up and she's wearing her body her body be banging in that and she looks so great and i mean to me that that was what i wanted you know yeah. so i mean i you know i knew going in i had my tissues ready all the people who've never seen the stars born i'm like what are y'all what y'all, y'all, are ready. y'all are but, ready for this That's and then so my bad. last one that i want to put out there is if you haven't seen phantom of the paradise um it is a take on um it is a um brian de palma movie it is a take on phantom of the opera it's a rock opera and hmm. it stars um paul williams is one of, is the bad is a bad guy in it um and it has some really great music and the great thing as a person who is from dallas the the paradise the um the castle that he lives in is the the red courthouse of the city of dallas red courthouse and the the paradise movie theater like that's the castle the the paradise movie theater is the majestic and um, i think about six years ago they filmed it there and um i got to see they filmed it there and the star the female star i think jessica alter i think her name is she came and spoke and so it was really cool to see phantom of the paradise in the majestic so i um it is a really overwrought very 70s movie but it is um it's also i mean it's paul williams is writing the music so it's right. it's gonna one be. of those guys so yeah. those are my those are those are my your honorable mentions yes okay so my honorable mentions are um, the commitments. Yes, I love that movie. Yep. Um, you know, you don't expect that kind of voice to come out of a 
chubby white dude from England. Yeah. Um, but it still does. It's great soundtrack. And I think and- that was one of those soundtracks that like you could listen to with your parents for us. It was one that you everybody would want to listen to. Um, so I had the commitments on there because I really love that movie. And I didn't put that on there because they, they didn't write any original music. And so I was mm-hmm. going with, so that was my, because that probably would be my number one, like overall, okay. as far as like having a long lasting impression on me. Mm-hmm. That's why I got obsessed with um, 60s soul music and got obsessed with Stacks. Got obs- then that led me to loving Otis Redding and like deep cuts of Otis Redding. And then that led mm-hmm. me, you know, that's where so much of what I listen to now comes from so comes from. That, that would have been my that would have been a number one but i didn't i felt but like you went well, with originals okay yes okay okay um another honorable mention was for once yes um i love that soundtrack i love that soundtrack i love the story um i think it's beautifully filmed the 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 cinematography of that is completely perfect for that story and some people might look at it and say, well, it looks like, you know, it looks really downgraded or it looks like somebody just shot it themselves. Um, I think it's just perfect for the story. Um, and then my last honorable mention is Dreamgirls, the oh, musical yes. with Beyonce yes. and Jennifer Holiday and the other girl whose name I can't remember. Jennifer Hudson. I mean, not Jennifer Hudson, but doing Jennifer Holiday's part. Yes. But yeah. Um, and, you know, I have this kind of love, I have this love-hate relationship with Beyonce, like, I like, I just, I don't know. I have like some moments I just really admit, but sometimes she just gets on my nerves. Um, but that movie, I think, and I will tell you, Jamie Foxx in that movie is absolutely incredible. Yes. Um, I don't think Jamie Foxx gets half the credit he deserves for his talent. Um, because yeah, it's he, but, and the soundtrack is equally as strong to the original Broadway soundtrack that most all of us have heard. Um, but yeah, so Dream Girls was another one on my. Oh, on I my think list. that's. I think that's. Um, I I forgot I forgot about that one because I love um, Jamie Foxx in that. And mm-hmm. in fact, there's a really great thread by. Um, uh, he used to be. He was a Dallas Observer writer back when the '90s, and he's written for tons of other places. I think he writes for um, Siskel and Ebert's. He writes for RogerEbert.com now. Um, Matt mm-hmm. Zoller Seats. Oh yeah. And he has a um, a really great Twitter thread about how um, good an actor Jamie Fox is in yep. um, and um, and Terrell's own. So Terrell Texas. Own. So shout out. Well, wow. Okay. Okay. We did it. Yeah. With a few little problems with recording, we still got through it. How long do we, How long do we yammer on for? Uh, looks like about a, about an hour and a half, about an hour and fifteen. Okay, that's not too bad. Yeah, so we will. Um, so we're uh, gonna come back. We're gonna, we're gonna do some. We're gonna do another episode. Yeah, it'll be next. Next one, we're gonna dive into one two, and two. One and we're two. Focus on those and um, talk it, about some character development. Yeah, kind of start laying some groundwork. There's there's some um, songs that we can talk yeah. about. Oh, I think I told you this, but Apple, if you have Apple music, they're creating a playlist of music for every episode. Mm-hmm. I don't have Apple music, but I just went into it and like screenshotted it. So I'm going to make my own. Okay. So, um, but yeah, so they're, they're making a playlist for every episode. So, um, 
Yeah. And so how many are, how many are they releasing? Are they releasing another three this week? I believe that's three, three, and then two, two. Okay. Three, three, and then two, two, according okay. to the nerdy Facebook group that I am on. So which nerdy um, Facebook group is that? I might need to join that one. Um, I, uh, the Facebook groups that I, I am a big fan of the ringer. Um, it was a, the ringer, um, website and they have a bunch of podcasts. So there's the watch and there's the ringer verse and there's prestige TV podcast. And I'm on all of those Facebook groups. Some of them, I don't really even listen to the podcasts. I just like the Facebook group yeah. for it. So, um, okay. Well, if you think there's one, I would like to add me to it. Okay, I will. I will. And um, yeah, so I'm going to stop recording. Well, like, well, don't worry about it. Um, That's the end of that.